Hi, I'm Leah. Hi, I'm Dre. I'm Jason. Yeah, so how've, how's your week been? Unproductive. Unproductive. Yeah. Jason, how about you? Did you say unproductive or, you, or did you say I'm productive? Unproductive. Unproductive. Um, so I did a lot of socializing that I wouldn't normally do in an evening. I'd probably just watch Netflix or catch up on a TV show or something. Um, that was interesting. And one of the things that I've, when I, when I was talking to uh, my friend Josh, I suddenly realized that the best way to describe the way that I feel is that it's like living in the same box with Schrodinger's cat. And I feel like I'm in two states at the same time and, uh, and they're, they're simultaneous. So one of them is work state and one of them is home state and they, and they continue to just oscillate rapidly between, between the two. It's really hard to change mindsets. The, the mindset is, it has to contain both worlds at the same time. And, um, and it's exhausting. It's actually really, really tiring. Every single day this week, I was like, oh my God, I can't believe the day is over. And then it's not really over. It's still happening. <laughs> so that's kind of how my week has been. And I'm very happy that it's Friday, although I don't know why, because it's exactly the same as <laughs> every other day. Yeah. Yeah. My week's been, I would call it some productive it's, I've had some productive moments. I'm doing this uh, office hours, um, I know, project experiment uh, one day a week where I take on calls voluntarily offering any creative director or futurist or technologist perspective or advice or anything that I might have. That's been really good. I've been meeting some interesting people and cool. Uh, connecting with uh, some other people. And then I think I have some light productive things where I rationalize productivity in things that might not otherwise be considered that productive. So uh, working on my strategic science fiction card game and uh, looking at experimenting with gaming mechanics for that and also catching up on science fiction movies and film and considering it homework as well as writing reading and writing uh in that that same genre it's uh it's working for me in terms of justifying my time can i ask you a question um the uh the movies that you watch do you take notes or do you just absorb it, it depends i I think there's three states that I have. I have movies that I watch and become engrossed in. There are movies that I go into with the intention of taking notes. And then there are movies that I want to be absorbed in. And I end up stopping, pausing on frames, taking notes and doing things and not fully enjoying them because I, I don't like rewatching things. I like to be more selective when I rewatch things more than once. So uh, most recently would have been Westworld. The first episode of the new season of Westworld was spent pausing a lot and writing down a whole bunch of interesting notes around it when, while you, also wanting to be fully immersed. Yeah, that's hard to do. I like the term some productive mm. because I think maybe that's a more accurate description of what I've been doing lately 
where I know you have been productive. You well, it, you know, it seems like that. <laughs> so I, you know, I put out that document last week that did all the COVID stuff and, and looked at the scenarios. And then this week I scheduled the webinar and next week I'm going to deliver the webinar around it. So there's a few staggered steps that are happening, but I think part of the challenge of trying to figure out whether or not I'm being productive is one I kind of don't want to be because of all the stuff that's going on in the world. You kind of just want to sit and maybe escape from it or, you know, process it or whatever it is. And then the other thing is I've lost track of time. Like I don't recall what I was doing at the beginning of this week. So I don't have that sense of time of, oh, here's how my week went. And like, okay, I remember yesterday and you're right, Jason, like every day looks the same. Every day is like every other day. So how do you then distinguish it because we distinguish it by, you know, the things that happen to us. Well, the other day when we were talking, I had mentioned that I was losing track of the days and that we should just come up with new names for days. And I thought your answer to that was funny. And you said, there's only three days. There's yesterday, today, and tomorrow. Yeah. And then there's two times of the day. There is like (laughs) day drinking (laughs) and night drinking. (laughs) <laughs> and day drinking consists of coffee, sometimes alcohol, and night drinking is predominantly alcohol. So uh, yeah. you could say BC and AD, maybe like before coffee and after drinking. I don't know if that makes sense. Those are lost hours. There's yeah, there's two yeah, states. Yeah, the lost hours, yeah. Coffee, coffee and alcohol basically are the two states. Um, for the benefit of anybody uh, curious to know about what we were just talking about, your COVID report, Leia, could you maybe briefly describe? what your report is and where someone might find it? Sure. So um, it's on my company website and it's called Multiverse Design. So if you go to multiversedesign.com, you can find it right there at the top. Um, It is a report that kind of looks at what might play out with uh, COVID-19. So um, the, the different scenarios that could emerge as the world changes and the sort of signals that we might see Um, But it's a modular set of scenarios, so you can actually take each individual line and, you know, extrapolate an entire scenario out of it in terms of how things could play out. But you could also take them and combine them with each other to create new ideas as well. Yeah, that's great. So multiversedesign.com. It's a uh, free PDF download. I... I really like it. I think it's some great strategic foresight work. And uh, for me, uh, an introduction to some elements of systems thinking that I was not aware of before. So it is definitely a good education. And I think it's great for all kinds of people from academics to systems thinkers, right down to science fiction writers, just looking for really good prompts to engage uh in storytelling so yeah check it out thanks for the plug (laughs) Mm -hmm. so on that note um going back to our conversation around productivity i think so i saw this one tweet from an academic who had uh you know experienced trauma and worked through a, a big sort of traumatic event and she described how you know this is a marathon and not a sprint and so you don't want to burn yourself out in the early stages because you have to pace yourself and you have to get used to normal and what normal is going forward. And so I'm questioning if I burnt myself out a little bit by diving into that work immediately 
and surfacing something. And now I'm kind of experiencing that sort of drop of like, oh, I burnt myself out because I ran the sprint instead of the marathon. I have a thought on on what you've done. And uh, I think it's a good advice to consider this more of a marathon than a sprint and to not burn yourself out. However, I'm a big believer that when you're doing any project, any project work, 80% of the project should be, or 80% of the effort should be expended in the first 20% of the timeline. And what that allows you to do is, I think, use up the mental energy, which I think it's easier to overcome, let's say the physical energy or the repetitive energy or the repetitive tasks. If you run out of the mental energy down the road, it's really hard to pick that up. So I think sounds to me like you expended, you know, 80% of the effort in uh, using your brain to create this product. But I th- imagine that with the webinar, the webinars, the workshops and what you're going to do coming out of it won't be as intensive as the creation of the product. You literally just have to be there and help people understand it. It becomes a little, uh, you know, more cookie cutter from here on in regarding that one particular. So that's an interesting point because that brings up this question of how long is this thing going to be? right? Like how long are we going to be in lockdown? So we don't really know how to ration out our mental energy or, you know, all of the other stuff. Um, And we kind of don't have a sense of how much work is going to be involved during that time Mm -hmm. as well, right? Like not everybody has their jobs guaranteed. Um, I've got potential other projects that I might want to look at. Am I going to get to them? I don't know. Am I going to have energy for them? I don't know. So I think there's like, the not knowing when this ends, the open-endedness of it is a whole other factor in this. You talk, Jason. <laughs> it's like war. I mean, it feels like it feels like war. And I, I, I talked to my grandpa about this uh, last night <clears throat> and um, he agreed there hasn't been this kind of crazy global, this actually might be a bigger global effort in some, and I don't mean in terms of the energy expended. I, I mean in terms of the participation. This is this is literally a, an entire global event. Um, mm-hmm. Every single. I don't know how many countries have it now, but it's over two hundred. Um, it's getting it's getting close to one hundred percent of of the countries uh, on this earth. Although I mean, we all know borders are artificial, but um, this is a real thing that's actually happening, and it's. Um, it is, it is a crazy thing to be in the middle of it. And then, and I hate, I hate to, in a way, I hate to, to make analogies to, to the war because that was a completely different scenario and a very different situation in that, um, you know, there were so many atrocities and, and so much physical damage. Um, but the psychic sort of the, the, the the fear of not knowing what was going to happen like when are when are bombs going to fall and and i know that there are people all over the world right now that experience that that feeling all the time so it's sort of a privileged thing i think to say you know that that now suddenly i i I can understand that i can't but i can understand the tension of not knowing 
like you said, what's going to happen next and how long are we really going to be in this situation? And, and then what's the next thing that's thrown at us? Like today, like the, the different information of you should wear masks outside or you shouldn't wear masks outside um, if you go out and what kind of masks and they don't have to be the N95, maybe you can just wear a cloth mask and that helps to, it's, it's just, is that, is that something that I need to take seriously or not? And I have to think about it and I have to process it. And I have to, I have to ask like, what's going to happen with school? What's going to happen with, um, with, with my kids uh, to be able to continue their education because that seems like a mess. Um, and then today I heard this could probably go on for another three months. So then you're thinking about like today we got a, a box at the, on the, on our front door. It was like, it was like a Christmas present. It was filled with, with organic produce that we had ordered. We didn't even know what was going to be in it. Right. It's just a box from farmers. Um, it was like a small miracle and it, and it was, it was an event to, to be able to be like, Oh my God, these are, these are fresh. We don't, we don't even know what we're going to make. Like well, now we can, now we can make some real, real food. Um, but again, how long is that going to last? How long are people going to be able to go outside and how long are our supply chains going to hold? And, and there's just, there's, there's a, a whole bunch of things that are going on in the back of, of, of my mind constantly throughout the day. And I think that that's what causes the exhaustion. And then at the same time, I'm dealing with regular work stuff, right? Like I'm, I'm doing and getting the deliverables done. I'm answering emails. I'm, I'm dealing with 25 different staff that have different issues and different problems. And then I'm also checking in on them and making sure that they're emotionally okay to continue doing their work that keeps our lights on, which now it doesn't seem to be a proper analogy. So it's, there's just, I think I'm rambling, but I feel like the uncertainty requires an inordinate amount of energy. I guess that's all I'm trying to say. I, uh, yeah, I agree that th there are some uncertainties, but there are a lot of things we do know fairly concretely. Um, <clears throat> I like to just get my information from who I believe are the smartest people um, uh, in, in, in that, that know what they're talking about. So the virologists and the epidemiologists, and I just listen to them. So to answer the mask question, yes, they're they're, they're, they work. Whether you have it or whether you don't have it, it doesn't matter what you put in front of your face. Any form of barrier is better than no barrier. And everyone's been saying, every smart person has been saying that. And if you look between, read between the lines, you realize they were only really saying the mask message to prevent hoarding. It was, it was a, a technique to, to, to train people to do uh, one thing or another. The other thing to take into consideration is that we know for sure that this lockdown is so not lockdown, this uh, self isolation or social distancing trend is going to last for at the least three months, but we know when it will be um, un, uh, unlocked when we'll be able to do that. And that is when there are um, no more new cases, when there are zero new case, new cases and zero deaths. So the minute that we, reach that that is the milestone by which we're able to um we're able to uh you know stop self-isolating uh and that is 
we don't know when that date is, but if we follow the graph and we see the curve flatten, we can predict it probably within a couple of weeks as we see the trending lines. The um, only issue with that is that we're relying on everyone to behave, which so far, some people are, some people are not. So we're still seeing, especially where we are escalating numbers. Yeah, agreed. And I, and the, the, the problem is that if people Alexa, don't stop, sorry, if people don't, uh, if we don't fully cooperate with these instructions, then, uh, yeah, it, it's just going to prolong this thing. And that'll only mean that stricter measures will be implemented where it will become, you know, illegal to leave your house. Like so, right now we're seeing fines, like those five guys that got fined yesterday for sharing a bottle of vodka. Oh God. And that, yeah. and, and they were breaking a big social distancing thing. They were sitting at a bus stop and they were sharing a bottle of vodka and that was it. It, was, it wasn't the fact that they were hanging out together. It was the fact that they were sharing a bottle of vodka and doing something ridiculously irresponsible in this climate. So um, I apologize for the interruption. I, I, uh, the, the alarm went off because I'm, I'm, I've been printing these um, face shield uh, items on my 3D printer, yeah. which as you can see, uh, one or two rubber bands together, and then literally a, a, a loose leaf um, binder, three hole, three hole punch um, page protector uh, can, can become a visor that can be used to prevent um, it, it can become a, um, what is it called? Personal protection equipment for hospital workers to, to be able to wear over top of their mask to, to actually protect from spray and droplets and things like that. So the, the fact that the Alexa alarm went off means that I have to quickly go downstairs and reset my printer. So I'll be back in like a minute. That's good. Um, so that I can keep, break. keep printing. Be go go be productive, I'll and be right back. and I will uh, pick this up. And for anybody uh, interested in knowing what Jason is up to, <clears throat> if you follow the hashtag, the PPE drive, uh, you'll find links that will lead you to three D printed files. And if you have a three D printer, then you should do that. Just like Jason, be like Jason. Be like Jason, BLJ. <laughs> we'll get that printed out somewhere on like a T shirt. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Are you, are you using, are you thinking about using any tools to help you stay productive? That's a good question. So I, I'm still struggling with this idea of being productive at this time and what that really kind of means. Like what is the expectation that we're sort of placing on ourselves and this idea that we have to constantly be working in order to have meaning and purpose in our lives and that sort of thing. Like we're almost trained to things like we need to work constantly. Mm -hmm. So there's that sort of battle going on versus just the exhaustion of this thing is hard. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's not the hardest thing that anyone can go through by any means. Like, let's face it, we're, we're actually okay. Um, you know, we're, we're able to sit down, have these conversations, we're able to, you know, connect with people online, we're able to get all the food that we need, things are okay. Um, but I think it's the, like, as we were talking about the uncertainty aspect of it, it's the um, mental sort of strain of the day-to-day -day of consciously having to think through every little bit of it that also adds in a factor. So 
at this point, I haven't built in any tools. I'm sort of taking it day by day, but I'm completely open to suggestions on that. I agree that society trains us to like work is a big factor in determining our worth. Uh, I getting away from that style of thinking is really important and looking at, you know, life as a, a series of pie slices and that work is one way that you can do that. But I think there are other things like uh, family and health and uh, mental and emotional health um, uh, you know, just maintaining stuff. There are other items that add up to greater fulfillment in life other than working, but because our work is so closely related to our monetary worth, we conflate the idea of self-worth with monetary worth. And a lot of it is just training that out of you. You can spend a day not making any money, but being having a worthwhile experience and a worthwhile day. I think that, well, there's a lot to be said about that. And that's one of the things around like universal basic income being so important is, you know, once we take away the pressures of just trying to survive, do we allow people to open up to new things? Like, does that allow people to become entrepreneurs and run the businesses that they want to open? Does it allow them to become artists? There's like a whole bunch of other positive consequences to something like a universal basic income when that, you know, that need is just minimized, that constant sort of, I have to take care of myself, I have to provide is um, to some degree, you know, assisted. So there's, yeah, there is that sort of aspect of like a good life really should be much more rounded. It should include things that are balanced with work, but we are such a work driven society that we sort of, you know, configure everything else around work, almost. Do you know what I mean? Like our day, but also our lives are sort of structured around our jobs and, and how we set that up. True. I, if you, I think if you believe that, if you truly believe that, I think there are people out there that um, have a good, you know, work-life balance. They will say, I, I will spend a concerted amount of time concentrating my efforts working for three or four hours and maybe get a lot more done in a hyper-focused state in those few hours. And then that way you can open up your time for the rest of the day to do other things. I think the focus on work, my, my brain doesn't, doesn't go there. I don't, I don't see, uh, you know, the day having to be this full giant work day. I think it needs to be extreme focus for a short amount of time that gets you maximum productivity because there are diminishing returns. Once you, once you hit a, a peak and you start coming down that hill, uh, you, uh, those returns are, are not there anymore. And you may as well just stop and give yourself the, the necessary break and continue again tomorrow. I think that's ideal. I would like every day to be like that, but I, I'm thinking that all the people who like, for instance, with you, Jason, like you're still, you're keeping your hours and sometimes those hours are spilling over into, you know, other parts of your life because all of this is now like mushed together. Um, and there is no clear separation and delineation between your day. So like all of the people who have been, you know, working, I would say quote unquote nine to five, because usually nine to fives are longer than nine to five now, um, that have their commute structured and, uh, have, 
their home life that they go back to, all of that is kind of getting jumbled into one right now. Yeah, and it's, um, so I think, I think that if I was, if I was doing my own thing, if I had my own business and it was just, it was just me, um, I could probably structure my time a little bit differently, but because I'm accountable to or managing a large team, um, it, it just, it just means that my day is always going to be interrupted at whatever stage. So it's really hard to get into any kind of deep work, uh, during the day. So, so for me, the only way that I can get into my own deep work, um, where I can sit down and focus and spend that time is if I go on vacation and literally go on vacation by myself. So I've, I've done that. Um, I self quarantined in February around my birthday for a week and, and worked on my book and it was fantastic. I didn't realize that this was going to happen obviously. Um, but, but that's how, that's how I can, can get that separation to be able to like, there's, there's no way during the day that I'll, that I'll even have 30 minutes. I'll be lucky if I have one hour where I'm not interrupted by somebody that needs something or has a question. Um, and, but that's the nature of, of managing a large team. Right. And that, that is, that is my job and I don't mind doing it. It just kind of precludes um, being able to focus. And, and then if that extends for too long, then I start to feel a little bit antsy and crazy. Right. If, if, if it starts at, at, eight in the morning and it continues on through till eight in the evening where I can't spend any time focusing on something that gives me energy, then I feel really, really tired, obviously. <laughs> Personally, I am a multitasker. I need to not do the same thing or one thing for too long. I, I feel like I can take a break from something by just doing something else. I don't just have to take a break. Uh, so I do, I've always liked juggling multiple things at once. Uh, but when I'm in a good groove, I can, I can get a lot done in a short amount of time on each individual thing. But, uh, yeah, taking those breaks is what gives me the energy to, to, to be able to be that productive when I'm in those hyper productive, uh, times. See, I really love, uh, organizing and sorting information. And I love, uh, I have probably 50 tabs open on my computer at any given time. And it's a bit scattered, but uh, I will, I, I've got my sources of information where, I, where I've, I kind of flip between different pieces to, to feed my brain while I'm in between different things. And um, the thing that's been keeping me happy right now is, is this little side project of um, keeping this, this, um, I call it the COVID-19 quarantine activity board, but it's basically so many people have been sending me links or I've been finding links to, Hey, HBO is, is now free for the next God knows how long, maybe, a, maybe a month or two. Right. And if you didn't have HBO, you could watch it right now. Or if you've got kids, these are some crazy activities and exercises you can do with them. Or, um, Alton Brown has just decided that he's, you know, he's doing kitchen quarantine and and he's filming himself and his wife uh, breaking wine glasses and screwing up things in the kitchen. It's hilarious. But 
there's so many really creative and cool things happening and I want to collect and catalog them and share them. Um, and that, that actually allows me respite and I can intersect that throughout the day um, because I've set up this thing to be shared and I can just dump something into the appropriate column and say that there's an update and, and that might take like two minutes in the middle of whatever else I'm doing. Um, and I can keep adding to this collection and that for some reason that gives me a little dopamine hit, <laughs> uh, enough to, enough to carry me through most of the days. So it's, I, I don't know, there's little activity like that feels like, um, I'm doing some small service to humanity during this crisis. Okay. So that's a really, I think, important point because there's a sort of helplessness to all of this, right? So I think about what the medical staff and all the hospital workers are going through right now and nothing that I'm doing is even, you know, remotely as important uh, as what they're doing, right? So you kind of feel like there's, I, there's nothing I can do. Obviously, I'm not going to go down to the hospital and try to do something that is just getting in people's way. But this sort of, how do I contribute to this? What's happening? How do I help others? How do I, you know, participate in what's going on that I'm not just sort of sitting back and accepting the situation, but we're all sort of working to contribute and working to get past what's happening. I, I would argue that you are already contributing. I think the fact that you are participating in uh, social distancing and self-isolation is, is huge. Uh, I've seen a lot of uh, nurses and doctors plead with people to do this. Uh, so that's one thing. That's one way that you're already doing it and that we're, we're all doing this. Uh, uh, you are also, uh, you know, your social media feed, you've got uh, content that you're creating, you're amplifying other people's content around uh, stuff that is going on right now. I think writing as activism is a valid form of participation. Um, yeah, so I, I wouldn't uh, I wouldn't discount what you're doing as as not participating. I definitely I think you you are. Uh, there are other ways that you could buy yourself a sewing machine and start making some masks. You could do that if you wanted to, but um, you don't you don't have to. There's there's you could encourage people to do that, and uh, if you can mobilize some people, then then that's a, that's a way of participating. I feel like what you've what you've done so far in your thinking, Leia, is is actually incredibly useful and not only does it allow people some modicum of of order uh that this is a, a methodology to start to think through some of the issues that we face because this isn't the only issue i mean it's the most pressing at the moment but it's certainly not the only issue and it's going to start compounding other issues um and i think that having that tool and being exposed to a tool um is going to be very very valuable to 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 people to businesses um, and people that want to start to think through these scenarios and understand how 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 they can um how they can enact new laws how they can enact new legislation or procedures or whatever, whatever, whatever it, 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 it may be. 
it feels like a, a method to to actually be able to wrestle this thing into uh, into something tangible, if that makes sense, like into something that you can manage. Because if you can start to think around it and you can start to to move it in different directions, you're you're getting a little bit of that of that feeling of control back. I think that's kind of what it is. It's that feeling of control that we sort of lost altogether in our lives, right? Like we're all trying to maybe bite off a little piece of that, um, whether it's through contributing through work or it's through our schedules or whatever it is. Like we've kind of lost control over what's happening in the world. Nobody has control over this virus. This virus is going to do whatever it wants. It doesn't care about you know our social lives. It doesn't care about the economy. It doesn't care about any of that it's gonna wreak havoc um, as it sees fit, not with intention, but obviously just you know for the sake of perpetuating itself. But we don't really have control. So I like I wonder if a lot of the sort of tension around am I being productive, am I not being productive that we're all sort of having is centered around just having a little bit of control over things that we can control. Mm-hmm. I feel like uh, a good way to maintain some control is to ensure that you are productive for a little bit of the day and also make room to be not productive for a little bit of the day as well. And then that way, as long as you check those two boxes every day, there's a certain amount of control. Leah, when you are feeling more in control of work and stuff, do you have any productivity tips on how to, how to, you know, maintain a sane schedule or, or, or crank out a proposal? I am the worst person to ask. <laughs> I am like so lazy on my best day. Like I think if people saw how I actually work, <laughs> it would be so embarrassing. <laughs> I like, I get bursts of productivity and I produce like, I think a lot at once. And then I go through periods of, I do nothing. <laughs> mm. Like I am a total sloth. So I, I don't know if I'm the best person to ask for productivity <laughs> tips. Are you really doing nothing though? Or are you sleep working and processing and, and allowing your, your unconscious mind and to, to make the connections that are necessary for when you do the work? Like, Yeah, I think that is it. And it's like, it's trying to um, give myself a little bit of time to let my mind wander and to do some of that daydreaming and start to drift off into different directions. And then sometimes you make it an interesting connection out of that. Um, other than that, though, it's like I try to, I guess, nail down some of these ideas as they come to me and maybe after time pull something out of it. And so the only way I kind of get stuff done with my like bouts of productivity and then extreme laziness is that if I'm working on a bunch of things at once, so that I'm not just focusing on one thing, but I'm chipping away a little bit at a time and a bunch of things. And then that gives me a steady stream of outputs. Mm-hmm. Jason, what about uh, productivity tips? Do you have any productivity tips you would like to share with us? I, As a tip, I'd say be prepared. Be very prepared to forgive yourself during this time. Um, that's Maybe that's not a productivity tip, but it's, it's basically saying you don't need to be your best quarantine self right now. You need to just take care of yourself. You need to understand that you don't have to be keeping up with the Joneses on, on Snapchat and, and Facebook that are doing 
these crazy home renovations while they're stuck in, in their house. Like you have the, you, you have to be able to um, give yourself permission to just deal. And that might mean that you're literally watching TV and, and crying. Like that could be what you need to do right now. And that's okay. Um, don't think that just because everyone's on this, wow, you're at home now and you don't have to commute. So now you, let's add up the, you've got 90 extra minutes to, to, to do all this extra cool stuff. It's just, it adds a ton of extra pressure. And, and I, yeah, I honestly think the best advice is forgive yourself and do what you need to do um, to just mentally get by during this time. I really like that. And I'll add that I think productivity right now is including taking care of everybody around you too, because that's like this yeah. whole mentality of we're in it together. and Everybody's sort of struggling with this. So there is that higher emotional burden of taking care of, everyone who's within your you know circles checking in on people my take on on uh, trying to stay more productive is clearing some of the the virus out of your brain so i've made the decision that i'm no longer going to listen to any type of streams of news and i know that there is the uh, prime minister typically does a um, uh, an update at around uh, 11 and the premiere does uh, an update in the afternoon. So I know it will be the TLDR will be covered on the six o'clock news. So for <laughs> me, what I do is I make sure that I'm, I'm just not exposing myself to uh, news all the time. And for me, it's about shifting atmospheres. My atmosphere that I work in my office is uh, the right type of lighting, uh, a warm cup of tea, and usually some kind of instrumental music that fits the mood the mental mood i want to be in and i can just drive that for a little while and when it's time to stop working and go make some dinner I, everything switches it becomes turn on the news catch up with the day make my dinner shut off the news and don't do that until the next day otherwise you, you know you can't feed your brain with nightmare material all day long and expect to have a good night's sleep so i feel it's compartmentalizing the you know, you have to empty the glass before you can fill it up again. And I feel like it fills up very, very quickly. So I spend a lot of time just kind of emptying the glass throughout the day and, 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 and making room, but making sure my brain doesn't, uh, doesn't melt from all of the crap we're hearing all the time. So I have two, I have two crazy things I wanted to add to that. So, so did you know that last week Nine Inch Nails released two albums? And they released, <laughs> they released a a light album and a dark album. And they're, it's really just, um, it's really just what they do now is soundtrack music. Mm -hmm. And one is called together. And that's supposed to be the more uplifting, happier sound uh, soundtrack. And the other one is called locusts, which is the more dark. Um, and, and it's really, it's really interesting to, to process the, the, the pop culture that's being put out to us right now through the lens of our situation. Right. I think that, um, I think that Donald Glover's new album, um, three fifteen twenty, and, and this nine inch nails, uh, double album are actually they're they've become my quarantine soundtrack. 
and and they feel relevant, which is which is so weird because it was created way before this. But it feels like it's it connects with the experience that 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 we're actually going through. Um, I'm I'm sure there's tons of artists right now that are putting things out there that'll be a, 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 a an absolute um, misdirect. It'll be off the mark, right? And people just won't find it relevant. Um, the other thing that I wanted to say was that I I. I shared something that sounds pithy. Um, it's by this woman named Brooke Anderson and it's his daily quarantine questions to ask yourself every day. Um, I, I shared it on Twitter and on, and on Facebook and, uh, and with my team. And a lot of people said, thank you for sharing that because it, it, it kind of, it kind of touches on a few things like one, um, I'll do this really quickly, but one is what am I grateful for today? So it's, it's a bit of a meditation. This whole thing is a bit of a meditation. So what am I grateful for? Well, you know, I'm grateful that I'm not sick and I'm grateful that I'm, I'm, uh, that I, that I can still get groceries and things like that. And then, uh, number two is who am I checking in on or connecting with today? Which I, which I also think isn't just because other people need it. It's because you need it as well. Um, and I, and as I said at the beginning, um, I've been connecting with a lot more people than I normally have. Um, the other, the other, uh, four are what expectations of normal am I letting go of today? As in, I'm not going to get to do some of the things that I'm not going to get to go out and run along the boardwalk. I'm not going to, I'm not going to get to, uh, go over to my friend's house and play board games. Like, those are things that aren't going to happen. So how, what can I do to change my expectations? Um, number four is how am I, how am I getting outside today? If that's possible, because you need to feel a connection to the sunlight and nature and all that. Um, number five is how am I moving my body? Because I, I don't know how much time I've spent now. I've actually had my legs fall asleep a couple of times because I'm sitting in a shitty non Herman Miller chair in my dining room, which isn't ergonomically correct. And, it, and it's starting to, to actually affect me. Um, and then lastly, what beauty am I either creating, cultivating or inviting in today, which is to say, like you were saying, Dre, like you don't want to just be exposed to 24 seven negative coronavirus news. Um, you want, you want, to get the updates, but you want to spend some of your time making something or watching something or the feeding your feeding yourself, right? Feeding your creative creativity instead of, instead of just suffering. So anyway, I just thought I'd share that because I, I thought that that was incredible. And, and I've literally, we've literally written that thing down and pasted it up um, by the, on, on the, on the wall by our bathroom so that, so that we remember these things. And the connection to outside in the next couple of weeks, like that's going to be minimized too, right? So that's like going out on your balcony or your backyard or just opening a window and getting some fresh air. Like we're going to have to minimize that just a little bit to get through the worst of this. Mm -hmm. But hopefully that means we get to go outside again sooner. Yeah. Just as the weather is starting to, to get nice and awesome. All right. Well, on that note, I think we, uh, we've covered some ground around productivity and, uh, any, uh, any final thoughts from anybody before we sign off? 
Well, I'm interested in knowing what the future of productivity is going to be in our new post normal. So I like, as you guys were talking, I wrote down a couple of notes, like this idea of soundscaping, I think is going to become potentially a whole other thing. Cause I didn't necessarily think of that. Like I'm in a little cube in a, you know, condo downtown um, where there isn't a lot of variety. So I can't necessarily change up my environment, but I can change up my environment in ways that I didn't used to. So like things like lighting and sound are going to become a whole other thing. And I think I have that in the document where I think projection, um, projection mapping is going to become a whole new thing. If we're going to be working in the same environment all the time, we might want to immerse ourselves a little bit differently in that one environment to get a little bit of variety. Um, but I imagine that there's other ways that this is going to shift. Cool. Well, you know what, let's, uh, we'll collect all of the links that we talked about in uh, today's episode in the show notes that you'll be able to find at the post, uh, postnormal.show, uh, which is a URL. And uh, all right, cool. Until next time, see you in the future.